The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, also known as Peter, and then his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon of the Cananine, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that town or house. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about what you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. It is not for you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Suffering, endurance, character, and hope. Recently, I uh, revisited a really good book called Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience, and Finding Joy. It was written by Sheryl Sandberg, who's the former chief operating officer of Facebook 
and Adam Grant, who teaches at the Wharton School down at Penn. And the book revolves around the sudden death of Sandberg's husband, Dave Goldberg, at the age of 47 from a heart attack, and Cheryl's journey through the grief and what she learned in the process. And the book is really good and contains some religious wisdom from Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, and Islam, and it has really good advice on how to be present and help others who are grieving or suffering. And though she doesn't cite our passage from Romans, she easily could have. The book shares how um, Sandberg and many others experience that movement from suffering to endurance to character and hope. She uses another word for, for it. She says she uses the word resilience, resilience in the face of tragedy, grief, suffering, and loss. The title, Option B, actually comes from a conversation that she had with someone who told her that no one is living their Option A. The person said, Option A is not available, so we're just going to do the heck out of Option B. And that life is never perfect. We all live some form of Option B. Many of us are living Option B because life can go sideways and change in the blink of an eye. Our health is compromised, a strained relationship breaks, a parent's health suddenly slips, a child struggles to thrive, things change at work, a loved one dies. Suffering touches us all. This book has been helpful because lately I'm just so aware of how much we've been experiencing together as a community with so many funerals in recent months, so many people touched by cancer mental health challenges, job challenges, and more. In our world, in our congregation, in our lives, we see the stories of so many people not only living their option B, but their option C, D, E, or F. This reading from Romans is paired with our gospel reading because we see a similar struggle among Jesus' disciples. The story begins with Jesus going around healing people with great compassion, And he sends the disciples out and tells them to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Jesus tells them to travel light, expect rejection, to be sheep in the midst of wolves, to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He warns them that they'll be handed over and be handed over and flogged, dragged before governors and kings. As they go out, he says they will be variously received and rejected. I was actually going to cut down this reading for today. That was one of the options in the lectionary, not only because it was a little long, but it went on and on about all of their struggles. It was kind of redundant and messy. And that became the moment for me to stop and pay attention to the text. Why cut it out or run from it? Let it speak for itself because the challenges they face, the messiness of it, the mashup of the good and the bad, the acceptance and rejection, speak to our own experiences. The disciples also had to find their own options B when things did not go well, and later when Jesus died, and later when he rose again. Each time, they had to figure out, what do we do now? How do we respond? At the same time that I was reading option B, I was listening to a podcast interview with Cheryl Strayed, who wrote the book Wild, From Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail. It's one of my absolute favorite books. And uh, you might remember the movie that starred Reese Witherspoon. And the book is about Strayed's uh, journey on the Pacific Crest Trail in her 20s, 
which runs from the Mexican border to the Canadian border. It travels through the desert and the Sierra and the Cascade Mountains. Uh, and she went to get away from her life, to find herself, and to come to grips with the death of her mother, who died at the age of 45 from lung cancer. And Cheryl was just 22 at the time, and it sent her spir spiraling in every possible way. And so over the course of this 100-day trek on the trail, she comes home to herself, reconciles with the death of her mother, resets and reboots her body, her mind, her heart. She moves from suffering to endurance, quite literally, on the trail, to character, knowing who she is, and hope that she could be transformed, that her life could move forward, that she could love and be loved again. Wild is not a self-help book, but if you are going through something or have not been able to get out from under the dark shadow of something that's happened in the past, it's a great read. And in addition to being an author, Strait also teaches writing. And in this podcast interview, she said this line, and I'll never forget it. She said, oftentimes our worst stories at the time become our best stories later. Oftentimes our worst stories at the time become our best stories later. The worst things that we go through, and even the small challenges and failures we experience, make the best stories later when we look back, as hers does in Wild. At the time, of course, it's all terrible. But later, when we look back and retell the story with some distance, we can see how we found strength, how people helped us, how we were not alone. Sometimes we can even find the humor in it discover meaning, and see new possibilities. We can track the movement in our own stories from suffering to endurance, character to hope. And we discover what Sandberg says in her book. She says, I am more vulnerable than I thought, but much stronger than I ever imagined. I am more vulnerable than I thought, but much stronger than I ever imagined. And we, like Sandberg and Strayed, can use our stories and our experiences to help others. And I want to share a really helpful part of Sandberg's Option B book for dealing with grief and suffering. And she calls it the three Ps, personalization, pervasiveness, and permanence. And it's rooted in psychological research. She says that these can hold us down and keep us stuck in our grief around suffering and loss. She says, personalization is the belief that we are at fault. We blame ourselves for what has happened. We take full responsibility for what is happening, replaying in our mind how we should have done this or that. Like how Sandberg kept thinking about how she should have made her husband take better care of his health. But she says, not everything that happens to us happens because of us. It's not all our fault nor are we in control of everything that happens in this world or our own little worlds. But when we take it all on ourselves, it prevents us from moving forward. This is why I love that scene in the movie Goodwill Hunting with uh, Robin Williams and Matt Damon. Robin Williams is the counselor, and he tells Matt Damon Will Hunting over and over again that the physical abuse he suffered at the hands of his father was not his fault. It's a really powerful scene. And William's character just keeps saying over and over, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. And Will rails against this and then finally breaks into tears. And this becomes the breakthrough moment in the movie. 
We only compound our suffering when we take all the blame for it. So maybe you would say along with me this morning, this is not all my fault. This is not all my fault, and it's not. The second is pervasiveness, the belief that this event or situation will pervade every area of our lives. Sandberg felt that her husband's death cast a pall on everything else in her life, from family to work to relationships and more, and it was ever-present at the beginning. But friends pointed out to her how she still had great kids. She had meaningful work and friends and family that loved her. And she began in the midst of her grief to keep a journal of the things that she was grateful for every day. And when she was feeling out of, it with, out of it at work, she would make a short list of things that she had accomplished, and then the things that brought her joy. She realized that there was still so much good in her life. The loss of her husband was an enormous thing, but it was not the only thing in her life. There are good things and things to be grateful for, and even things to celebrate. So if you would say with me, this is not my entire life. This is not my entire life, and it's not. Third and finally, we have to overcome our feelings of permanence, the belief that the aftershocks of the event will last forever. When we suffer, we tend to project that suffering out indefinitely, but as both of these authors chronicle each in their own different ways, we do come through, and these moments do not last forever. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and a future. So say with me, it will not be like this forever. It will not be like this forever, and it won't. Things always happen. Suffering touches all of us, but God is with us through it all, and we can choose how to respond. There are ways of responding that can keep us stuck, and there are ways of responding that can give us life and help us to heal. Like the disciples, we need to kick the dust off of these three Ps and keep walking, keep moving into the hopeful future that God wants for us. For Jesus himself suffered death and died for us so that we too might live a new life, that we too might have a future. Maybe that's God's option B. For we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. For God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen.